0: Chapter One of Plague of Pythons. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nick Bolka. Plague of Pythons by Frederick Pohl. Chapter One. Because of the crowd, they held Chandler's trial in the old purpose room of the high school. It smelled of leather and stale sweat. He walked up the three steps to the stage with the bailiff's hand on his elbow and took his place at the defendant's table. Chandler's lawyer looked at him without emotion. He was appointed by the court. He was willing to do his job, but his job didn't require him to like his client. All he said was, Stand up, the judge is coming in. Chandler got to his feet and leaned on the table while the bailiff chanted his call, and the chaplain read some verses from John. He did not listen. The Bible verse came too late to help him. And besides, he ached. When the police arrested him, they had not been gentle. There were four of them. They were from the plant's own security force and carried no guns. They didn't need any. Chandler had put up no resistance after the first few moments, that is, he stopped as soon as he could stop but the police hadn't stopped he remembered that very clearly he remembered the nightstick across the side of his head that left his ear squashed and puffy he remembered the kick in the gut that still made walking painful he even remembered the series of blows about the skull that had knocked him out the bruises along his rib cage and left arm though he did not remember getting Obviously the police had been mad enough to keep right on subduing him after he was already unconscious. Chandler did not blame them, exactly. He supposed he would have done the same thing. The judge was having a long mumble with the court stenographer, apparently about something that had happened at the union house the night before. Chandler knew Judge Ellathorpe slightly. He did not expect to get a fair trial the previous december the judge himself while possessed had smashed the transmitter of the town's radio station which he owned and set fire to the building it occupied his son-in-law had been killed in the fire laughing the judge waved the reporter back to his seat and glanced around the courtroom his gaze touched chandler lightly like the flick of the hanging strands of cord that precede a railroad tunnel the touch carried the same warning what lay ahead for chandler was destruction read the charge ordered judge Ellathorpe. he spoke very loudly there were more than six hundred persons in the auditorium the judge didn't want any of them to miss a word the bailiff ordered chandler to stand and informed him that he was accused of having on the seventeenth day of june last committed on the person of margaret flersham a minor an act of rape Louder ordered the judge testily yes your honor said the bailiff and inflated his chest an act of rape under threat of bodily violence he cried and did further commit on the person of said margaret flersham an act of aggravated assault chandler rubbed his aching side looking at the ceiling he remembered the look in peggy flersham's eyes as he forced himself on her she was only sixteen years old and at that time he hadn't even known her name the bailiff boomed on and did further commit on that same seventeenth day of june last on the person of ingovar porter an act of assault with intent to rape the foregoing being a true bill handed down by the grand jury of sepulpus county in extraordinary session assembled the eighteenth day of june last judge ellithorpe looked satisfied as the bailiff sat down quite winded while the judge hunted through the papers on his desk the crowd in the auditorium stirred and murmured a child began to cry the judge stood up and pounded his gavel what is it what's the matter with him you dundon the court attendant the judge was looking at hurried over and spoke to the child's mother then reported to the judge "'I don't know, your honor. All he says is something scared him.' The judge was enraged. "'Well, that's just fine. Now we have to take up the time of all these good people, probably for no reason, and hold up the business of this court just because of a child. "'Bailiff, I want you to clear this courtroom of all children under—' He hesitated, calculating voting blocks in his head. "'All children under the age of six dr palmer are you there well you better go ahead with the uh, prayer the judge could not make himself say the exorcism i'm sorry madam he added to the mother of the crying two-year-old if you have someone to leave the child with i'll instruct the attendants to save your place for you she was also a voter dr palmer rose very grave as he was embarrassed he glared around the all-purpose room, defying anyone to smile. As he chanted, Tomina Pythoris, I command you, leave, leave hell, leave Heloium, leave Sother and Thetrogrammation, leave all unclean ones. I command you, in the name of God, in all his manifestations. He sat down again, still very grave he knew that he did not make nearly as fine a showing as father lon with his resonant in nomina jesu christi ex ante Ubaldi, and his censor but the post of exorcist was filled in strict rotation one month to a denomination ever since the trouble started dr palmer was a unitarian exorcisms had not been in the curriculum at the seminary and he had been forced to invent his own chandler's lawyer tapped him on the shoulder ''Last chance to change your mind,'' he said. ''No, I'm not guilty, and that's the way I want to plead.'' The lawyer shrugged and stood up, waiting for the judge to notice him. Chandler, for the first time, allowed himself to meet the eyes of the crowd. He studied the jury first. He knew some of them casually. It was not a big enough town to command a jury of total strangers for any defendant, and Chandler had lived there most of his life he recognized pop matheson old and very stiff who ran the railroad station cigar stand two of the other men were familiar as faces passed in the street the forewoman though was a stranger she sat there very composed and frowning and all he knew about her was that she wore funny hats yesterday's had been red roses when she was selected from the panel today's was of all things a stuffed bird he did not think that any of them were possessed he was not so sure of the audience he saw girls he had dated in high school long before he met margot men he worked with at the plant they all glanced at him but he was not sure who was looking out through some of those familiar eyes the visitors reliably watched all large gatherings at least momentarily it would be surprising if none of them were here all right how do you plead said judge Ellathorpe. at last chandler's lawyer straightened up not guilty your honor by reason of temporary pandemic insanity the judge looked pleased the crowd murmured but they were pleased too they had him dead to rights and would have been a disappointment if chandler had pleaded guilty they wanted to see one of the vilest criminals in contemporary human society caught exposed convicted and punished they did not want to miss a step of the process. Already in the playground behind the school, three deputies from the sheriff's office were loading their rifles, while the school janitor chalked lines around the handball court to where the crowd witnessing the execution would be permitted to stand. The prosecution made its case very quickly. Mrs. Porter testified that she worked at McKelvey Brothers, the antibiotics plant where the defendant also worked. Yes, that was him she had been attracted by the noise from the culture room last let's see was it the seventeenth day of june last prompted the prosecutor and chandler's attorney instinctively gathered his muscles to rise hesitated glanced at his client and shrugged that was right it was the seventeenth incautiously she went right into the room she should have known better she admitted she should have called the plant police right away but, well, they hadn't had any trouble at the plan, you know. And, well, she didn't. She was a stupid woman, for all that she was rather good-looking, and insatiably curious. She had seen Peggy Flersham on the floor. She was all blood. And her clothes were... And she was... I mean... Her... Her body was... With relentless tact, the prosecutor allowed her to stammer out her observation that the girl had clearly been raped and she had seen Chandler laughing and breaking up the place, throwing racks of cultures through the windows, upsetting trays. Of course she had crossed herself and tried a quick exorcism, but there was no visible effect. Then Chandler had leaped at her. He was hateful, he was just foul. But as he began to attack her, the plant police came, drawn by her scream. Chandler's attorney did not question. Peggy Flersham's deposition was introduced without objection from the defense. But she had little to say anyway, having been dazed at first and unconscious later. The plant police testified to having arrested Chandler. A doctor described in chaste medical words the derangements Chandler had worked on Peggy Flersham's virgin anatomy. There was no question from Chandler's lawyer, and for that matter nothing to question chandler did not hope to pretend that he had not ravished and nearly killed one girl then done his best to repeat the process on another sitting there as the doctor testified chandler was able to tally every break and bruise against the memory of what his own body had done he had been a spectator then too as remote from the event as he was now but that was why they had him on trial that was what they did not believe at twelve thirty the prosecution rested its case Judge Ellathorpe looking very pleased. He recessed the court for one hour for lunch, and the guards took Chandler back to the detention cell in the basement of the school. Two Swiss cheese sandwiches and a wax paper carton of chocolate milk were on the desk. They were Chandler's lunch. As they had been standing, the sandwiches were crusty and the milk lukewarm. He ate them anyway. He knew what the judge looked pleased about at one-thirty chandler's lawyer would put him on the stand and no one would pay very much attention to what he had to say and the jury would be out at most twenty minutes and the verdict would be guilty the judge was pleased because he would be able to pronounce sentence no later than four o'clock no matter what they had formed the habit of holding the executions at sundown as at that time of year sundown was after seven it would all go very well for everyone but chandler for Chandler, it would be the end. End of chapter one.